Selecting a commencement speaker to address the class of 2004 was a daunting task. We wanted a person who was a prominent leader, a successful business person, a visionary. We also wanted a person who understood and respects the significance of this day, both to the graduates as well as to the family and friends gathered here to share in this memorable occasion. Our 2004 commencement speaker is an alumnus of our college and he understands the emotional complexity of this occasion. The freedom that comes with no classes, no note-taking, and no exams. The relief and pride of receiving that hard-earned degree. The excitement and the reservations about what happens next. And the sweetness and perhaps sadness that this ceremony represents. Our keynote speaker sat in this auditorium and walked across this platform to receive his Bachelor of Science and Master of Sciences degree in food science. He is known to television viewers worldwide as the host of the acclaimed Yan Can Cook, show seen in 70 countries and in more than 240 markets across the United States. His program received the prestigious James Beard Award twice, once for best cooking show and once for best television food journalism. Martin Yan, a certified master chef and restaurant consultant, has hosted more than 1,500 cooking shows and authored 14 cooking books, cookbooks, including Martin Yan's Culinary Journey Through China. He's received countless awards, including a Daytime Emmy, and was designated Honorary Doctor of Humane Letters by the Colorado Institute of Art. Along with Julia Child, Martin received an Honorary Doctorate degree in culinary, culinary Arts from Johnson & Wales, the world's leading culinary training university. Martin has authored 10 best-selling cookbooks and is a frequent contributor to a wide variety of food publications. He has lived and traveled extensively throughout Asia and speaks several Chinese dialects. Recently, he opened his seventh Yan Can Fresh Asian cooking restaurant. The specialized Southeast Asian menu includes many of his favorite recipes. Martin and the Yan Can Cook Group are consultants to the food manufacturing, food service, and hospitality industries, specializing in Chinese and Asian cuisines. Headquartered in the San Francisco area, the talented group includes writers, home economists, chefs, food and hospitality marketing consultants, and video experts. Martin is living a full, satisfying, successful life, driven by extraordinary passion, vision, and commitment. We are honored to have him here with us today. Please help me warmly welcome Martin Yan. I am a little bit nervous today because I don't have my knife. <laughs> and also, uh, fortunately, I don't have my knife if, if I have to perform with people behind my back staring at me. I'll probably lose all my fingers. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, fellow Aggies, good morning. It's such a great honor for me to be here today. The last time I was here with this gown, Gerald Ford was president, and gas was 63 cents. And on my graduation day, I was sitting right over there, fifth row, third seat from the aisle. I remember everything about that day. The day was one of my proudest moments of my life. As I am here today, I'm sure this is also one of your proudest moments 
graduates, congratulations. Of course, on that day, I could not have imagined that many years later, I would be standing right here, sharing the podium with some of the greatest scholars and leaders of our time and addressing the young bright mind of tomorrow. This is a very special day for me. It is my homecoming. I'm probably the proudest Aggie on earth. Wherever I go, I can't stop talking about the great work that UC Davis has done, especially when it comes to the agricultural and our romantic science, food science, viticulture, and enology, because I love to drink. In fact, I have three glasses of red wine for breakfast this morning. That's why I'm not nervous. Call me the unofficial Aggie spokesperson. But why not? My years here were some of the happiest years of my life. You have no idea how much I miss this place. I sometimes even miss the food in the dorm. <laughs> my journey here has been a long and winding one. It started out in Guangzhou, China, in a tiny two-bedroom house at the end of a dirt road. Believe it or not, I was very, very quiet and shy. I still are. Sitting and staring were actually my two favorite pastimes. I would spend hours looking down our row, scrunching my, scrunching up my eyes to see as far as I could, wondering where it might lead to. I could never have imagined just how far away the row would take me, how many twists and turns, how many lands and languages, how many hardships, adventures, and beautiful surprises it would reveal all these years. If someone had told me that one day I would be standing in front of all 5,000 people wearing a gown with a square head with a funny tassel, giving a speech in America, in English, it would have, I would have laughed and said, that is in Russian. Which basically means, you're totally nuts. Or literally, what kind of chili powder have you been putting in your hot and sour soup? People often ask me, Martin, how did you become a chef? How did you get on TV? How do you get where you are today? How long have you been doing this? What is the secret? There's no secret. I just love what I do. I'm just passionate. Well, life's most satisfying experience is doing what you love, just like the Chancellor have just mentioned. In the beginning, I didn't really know what path to follow. I just start walking. I follow my nose. Somewhere back then, I must have smelled food. And here I am, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today, finding your way down the road of life. Memories of my early years were mostly a blur of hardship and day-to-day -day struggle. I have no real toys, no children's books, of course, no TV. I went to school, helped out with the daily chore at home because my mom was a capitalist, always have to go to brainwash sections in China. 
And every day, I daydream about becoming the world's greatest kung fu master. <laughs> this period was the most turbulent politically, socially, and economically time in modern China. On top of floods and drought, there were too many of us to share too little. Like most kids, we went to bed hungry every night. Everything was rationed, rice, oil, two ounces of oil a month, meat, fabrics, vegetables were the only thing that weren't rationed, but you have to line up for hours to just get ahead of cabbage before school. But just after my 13th birthday, a letter arrived from an uncle, distant uncle in Hong Kong. It was the first real fork in the road of my life. My distant uncle had offered me an apprentice in his popular restaurant, Sun Wong Ki in Kowloon, Hong Kong. I head downstream in a riverboat to Hong Kong all by myself with $5 in my pocket and a small rattan suitcase with three sets of underwear and two beat up little shirts. I still put on the same three sets of underwear <laughs> because of the memory. This is what I have today. <laughs> my years as a chef's apprentice were what you might call a school of hard walks. I went to high school during the day and spent most of the evening and weekend in the back kitchen of San Wong Key. In the summer, when school was out, I worked seven days a week, 16 hours a day. I remember the pay was about Hong Kong $20 a month, which is $2.5 US plus room and board. And I mean that literally. My bed was a board that fit over the top of the booths in the dining room after the restaurant closed at midnight. Ironically, it is the only time in my entire career when I got to sleep on my job. <laughs> I started out scrubbing walks, washing and cutting vegetables, peeling shrimps and sweeping the floor. By the end of my first year, it was chop till you drop. Thousands of hours of slicing, dicing, mincing and chopping. That's how I pick up all those fast moves with my Chinese cleaver. If you ever watch the Yankin Cook show, when I started on the Yankin Cook show, this is this long. <laughs> and I think I can do it for another 25 years. The discipline of learning the skill appealed to me in the same way Kung Fu always had. For the first time in my life, I started to daydream about becoming a real chef. So I enrolled in a local chef professional school, and I couldn't afford the tuition. So in exchange, I helped the chef owner to shop at the local wet market for the classes. The daily shopping trip gave me the opportunity to learn much more about the chef essentials, the seasonings, the exotic ingredients, and the produce, the seasonal produce. Once I had my chef diploma, I came to another fork in the row. Now before, some of you up here in the peanut gallery start snickering. What does a Chinese kid know about forks? Let me just say that I am retelling this story with plenty of insight, which includes a couple, a complete set of Western dinnerware. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Should I stay in Hong Kong or should I go back to Guangzhou to be close to my widowed mom and younger brother? Or should I try something totally different, something new? All I knew is I have to move forward. With the help of a Christian school principal, I have the option to attend college in America. So I make a decision. I will follow the road to the West. 
Those days, the tuition was more affordable in Canada because being a foreign student, I have to pay a little bit more than you're paying now. So the road led me first to Canada, where I worked part-time for a high school buddy family restaurant as a cook. But one day, over a plate of shrimp chow fun, I was having fun with the chow fun. I realized I wanted more. Not more chow fun, more out of life. I wanted to keep learning. I wanted to get a college degree as soon as I could. Traveling with a friend, I happened to pass by here and was fascinated with what I saw at Davis. Those leafy, lush paths and thousands of bicycles was very comforting and very familiar because in China, all they have is bicycles. It looked like my hometown Guangzhou, only cleaner and greener. And the food science program appealed to me. I only knew that if I would help me, it would help me to produce more and preserve more food for the world. And for someone going to bed hungry every night when I was growing up, that was very appealing. A Chinese proverb always rings in my ear. The closer you are to the kitchen, the better chance you will have a full stomach. That's Chinese, gan chu That's another Spanish for you. <laughs> I'll never forget my first day here. I was greeted by leafy trees and hundreds of speeding bicycles. But there's something else, a certain smell, like rotten egg mixed with fish sauce. <laughs> in all my life, even in rural China, even the basement of Hong Kong restaurant, I have never smelled something so strong. That's what, when I find out, about the holy cows over there. <laughs> well, like most of you, after a few days, I hardly notice it anymore. I treasure my memories of my years here. I met all kinds of wonderful people, faculty, students, mentors, professors, and especially Sue, my, the woman I have shared my life with ever since. I practice English study all the time and sped around in my bike. In fact, I have been an avid bike rider ever since. I don't even own a car. It took me 16 hours to get here from San Francisco this morning. <laughs> but it keeps my leg in great shape. Look at this. <laughs> to help pay for my tuition, I taught cooking classes in the extension program. Now, mind you, I was a young man who took himself very seriously but I have high expectation for those classes, so I make up courses titled like the philosophy, history, and science of Chinese cuisine. But we met in a coffee house. And how serious can you really be at a coffee house? In spite of all the attempt to lecture on history and culture, most of my students just wanted to have a good time, drink a little wine, relax, and fill up with tasty Chinese food. Actually, that experience taught me a great deal. After all the hard work in the kitchen and all those years of training, I have forgotten that cooking is one of life's greatest pressure. I knew that food brings friends and family together, brings people together. There's no boundary. I lighten up. I started to joke around and have some fun. And that was when I fell in love with teaching and sharing what I love with everybody. After graduation, I got a job in a large Hong Kong food manufacturing company so I could be close to my mom again. It turned out that living in Davis changed my life. I missed the trees and the open space, both of which I couldn't find in Hong Kong. So I head back to North America. 
end up in Alberta, Canada, and opened its first Asian cooking school. An idea was probably a little bit ahead of its time. Having just a few students, I wound up giving private lessons to the building's security guards, just for practice. But was it the wrong choice? No, because one day, it brought me to another fork in the road. It was a freezing, cold winter morning. The snow had been coming down very, very hard for days. I was setting up for class when the phone rang. A frantic voice on the other end of the line began babbling at me. It was the producer and the host of a local live talk show. Her guest, a popular chef, local chef, called in sick and need a replacement. I'll be right there, I said, having absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into, because I've never been on television before. In a hurry, I packed a cardboard box full of meat and vegetable and a few seasoning from the fridge, grabbed my trusty wok and my sharp knife, loaded it all into the trunk of my better old car and set out through the blizzard. Half an hour later, I skid into the parking lot of the station, flew out of the car, and jabbed the key into the lock of the trunk. If you ever spend any time in a minus 40 degree weather, you'll probably know that the trunk locks have an annoying way of freezing shut at the worst times. By the time we got the lock finally opened, the meat and vegetable had totally frozen. So I rushed into the studio, looked at the camera, and held up a head of cabbage covered with ice crystal, blew out, hi, I'm Martin Yen, and today I'm gonna to show you how you can enjoy frozen food. Uh, because in my um, graduate thesis, I studied frozen rice. <laughs> to my amazement, everybody laughed. I have no idea what happened next. I still feel more like a nightmare than a real experience. I remember smiling a lot and moving around very fast to avoid collapsing from nervous anxiety. Banging pots and chopping like a wild person. I wasn't even really trying to be funny. I just keep saying whatever pops into my mind, and they just keep laughing. I chop, they clap. I chop faster, they clap harder. <laughs> the producer told me I was a natural, and they asked me back the following week when I asked them what they would like me to do. He said, hey, just have fun. Be yourself. So no one was more shocked than I was two weeks later. The local television station called me and offered me my own show. That's the beginning of Yan Ken Cook. We taped all 130 rep. Yeah. We taped all 130 episodes in 25 days. Now, normally, like my good friend, my mentor Julie Chow, they normally tape about tape about two or three shows a week. We taped 130 episodes in 25 days because I just want to get out of it and get my money and get out because I have never made so much money. In um, 25 days, I make $15,000, which that means equivalent to what my mom make in her, her lifetime. And I eventually developed a modest following. The whole thing felt like a game, and I could hardly believe I was getting paid to do it. But I miss those days, those leafy trees and mild winter of California, so found my way back to the Bay Area. I worked with San Francisco's KQED, and with months, within months, the show was broadcast all over the country. Today, Yankee Cook Show is seen in more than 60 to 70 countries around the world. And we have film on location all over Asia and around the world and produced 2,000 programs. 
And in between, I make hundreds of trips all over the world teaching, speaking, studying, cooking, and writing cookbooks. It's been a wonderful adventure and humbling experience. I've learned so much and had the good fortune to meet and work with so many generous, talented, remarkable people, chef, than I can ever imagine the, could, the world could contain. At the point of all of this is, you never know where following your nose will take you as you head out into the world today. The opportunities are endless. It might not always look that way. Some of you may feel a little bit like Woody Allen did when he said, more than any other times in history, mankind faced a crossroad. One path leads, leads to despair and utter hopelessness. The other to total extinction. Let me pray we have the wisdom to choose correctly. <laughs> but seriously, opportunity is not a part of goal waiting for you somewhere in the distance. Opportunity is a state of mind. It is being open to whatever it is you can do today. Right here and right now. It started with seeing the possibilities, believing in yourself and trusting your instincts. It started by taking one small step forward. That's the lesson I keep learning over and over again. Every time I think I know where I'm going, I come back to another fork in the road. Well, sometimes it's a fork. Sometimes it's more like a pair of chopsticks. <laughs> By the way, there I am, just like you are today, feeling happy to have achieved something important, but also a little anxious about choosing the right path to take next. And the older I get, the more I realize that as long as you stay true to yourself, what really matters is not which path you embark on. It is just what you embark at all. One of my favorite American philosophy, the baseball legend, Yogi Berra, put it better than anyone. When you come to a fork in a row, take it. <laughs> that Yogi, he sure knew his forks, even though he never used his chopsticks. I congratulate all of you, my fellow Aggie, and I wish you bon voyage. Keep your head up and your eyes open. Laugh and smile as often as you can. Follow your nose and listen to your heart. And many of you, and may all of your roles be filled with joy and magical surprises. Like for those who watch the Yankin Cook Show, I always end with the show say, if Yang can, so can you. And I want all of you gradually repeat after me. Yang can, we can. And I want to thank you, all of you. Good luck, and God bless you in America.